0: and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Special permission has been granted to Australian doctor Andrew Browning to return to Africa to continue his important fistula surgery work. He's recognised as a world expert in obstetric fistula surgery operating on women with a debilitating condition resulting from obstructed childbirth. Now, he'll be visiting the northern part of Ethiopia, called the Afar region, described as the hottest inhabitable place on the planet. Along with famines, floods and turmoil, there's also a civil war raging between the forces of the Ethiopian government and Tigray militants. Well, Dr Andrew Browning, who first connected with the legendary late Dr Catherine Hamlin over 20 years ago, is joining us for an update on his latest visit to Africa. Andrew, welcome back to 2020.
1: Great. Thanks very much, Neil.
0: Andrew, you're destined for Ethiopia, expecting to arrive there at the end of the month, but the military have commandeered the airport in afar, civilians are not allowed in, and you're still working on how to get in. Have you got a plan? Um,
1: well, I have had a plan, but the plan, whether the plan comes to fruition or not, is all in God's hands. I mean, yes, I mean, I won't just be going to Ethiopia on this trip. I'll be going to Uganda, South Sudan, Ethiopia, and Tanzania. And there's around about 140 women already waiting uh, for their operation, spread over those four countries. Maybe more will come, but yes, uh, getting into Ethiopia will be will be challenging. But I mean, the need is there. I mean, I heard, I mean, just a patient who's uh, needing treatment there, young Sahara, uh living in the desert there with as a as a nomad and she was only young and, and became pregnant and got into obstructed labor in the, her pregnancy in her village and she stayed in her little um, hut made of a, a domed um, frame of sticks covered in palm leaves and uh, she tried to deliver in there for two days. And, uh, she didn't, and um, so the villagers made a, a stretcher for her and just out of sticks and a, and a goat skin and carried her for three hours to the nearest village before they called and want our ambulance from our hostel and brought her to us, uh, to the staff there. And um, she had a cesarean, but it was too late. The baby died, and she'd already suffered a fistula for almost three days by then in labor. All the tissues in her bladder and birth canal had died and come away, so she was left with nothing and a huge hole to her bladder and uh, so she's leaking your own dreadful injuries and um, so she's one of the many patients still waiting for treatment so I'm desperate to get back um, and I'll certainly be making a heavy effort to get there And in God's timing and God's provision um, let's pray that I do
0: Andrew you're considered a hero to women because of the work you do and as a fistula surgeon you just described some of the things that happen but the stigma that is attached to women who have this condition is dreadful but it's it's fixable.
1: It is fixable. So with the Barbara May Foundation, we, we treat fistula patients all around Africa and also prevent them. Um, and we prevent them by building maternity hospitals and, and enabling women to have safe deliveries so they don't get a fistula. Uh, so that's the more important thing to, to prevent them, to stop women dying, the babies dying, and also stopping them getting a, a fistula. So, yeah, we are building more hospitals. Um, praise God. We've been giving... Um, Blessed to be able to, to not only provide 15,000 free deliveries a year through our work so far and treat many, many thousands, um, many, many hundreds of, of fistula patients per year around our networks around Africa, um, but yeah, we're Hopefully, with God's provision, about building more. So, we're up to South Sudan. I've got a new unit there with a, the Lutheran Partnership with the Lutheran Church and also developing partnerships in Uganda to spread the work as well. So, God's been good and um, uh, the work is expanding.
0: You're going to some very uncomfortable places. Does it worry you when you know that there are civil wars raging and all sorts of things that could potentially go wrong? How do you get the the right courage to be able to pursue going into these dangerous places you do? Um,
1: I just trust it to the Lord. I know it's the right thing to do to, to help these women, and I wouldn't say I'm particularly brave. Uh, my aunt has been living in the Arfad Desert for the last 40 years or so, I think she's tremendously brave. She's been through wars and famines and, you know, locust plagues and everything. Um, and she's just remained loyal to the people and loving the people and with the love that God's given uh, to her for them. And uh, because of that, she has the, the greatest respect and love by the people. And, I mean, I'm here in Australia now. I had, you know, almost two decades living in Africa in, in some uh, places over there with my family, but now I commute back to Africa. Uh, so it's a, a little bit of a soft option for me. Um, but you know, God's uh, provided uh, the way and opened the doors and so far kept me safe. But I don't take any unnecessary, foolish risks, um, calculated risks, but you know that it's the right thing to do to bring God's love to these women and, and help them. So with God's strength, I'll, I'll be able to do it
0: you say you've got something like 140 patients already lined up ready to have this surgery but how great is the need or is it hard to monitor just how significant it is all across the continent of Africa?
1: It's very hard to know. I mean the patients themselves are hidden away. We estimate there's 2 million women still waiting for treatment. We estimate that there's about 50,000 to 100,000 new cases of fistula occurring every year in Africa and Southeast Asia. Um, but their estimates estimates, we don't really know for sure. And because they are hidden away in accessible places like the nomadic areas of EPA, Pure, or um, the jungles of Congo and places like that. So, yeah, to get statistics is. Is almost impossible. So the, the need is vast, but the, the the networks of surgeons is growing. There's now over 400 units around the world that are providing fistula surgery, and um, collectively treating about 20,000 plus um, patients every every year. So when I first started fistula surgery back in the 1990s, um, it was only about 2,000 patients being treated a year globally. Uh, so it's increased, but there's still a long way to go.
0: Take us to a story of the women you treat, because on the other side of what happens when they have this surgery, their lives are completely transformed, changed almost like you'd say this is a miracle. Give us an insight into a case or two you might be able to remember of someone who has benefited so greatly from this surgery.
1: Um, I can tell you thousands of of stories. I've met over 12,000 fistula patients in my career and operated on around 7,000 of them. Um, How could I pick just one? There's so many. I mean, I was thinking about a lady called Agnes just the other day because we're writing her story now. And you can read some of these stories in a book we published called A Doctor in Africa. But uh, Agnes, um, she, remarkable lady, she had... Um, two babies, uh, one of them died in, chi- in early childhood and then on her third delivery, she was again living in her village in East Africa, not in Ethiopia this time, um, but got into the obstructive labor, meaning the baby just got stuck, which is common. It happens to about 5% of women all around the world. But with no hospitals, no transport, no money, she stayed in her village for four days and uh, eventually delivered when she was unconscious a stillborn child. And um, you know, delivering that stillborn child, she was unconscious, and it took her two days to regain consciousness. But when she regained consciousness, she was found that she was leaking uncontrollably from her bladder because that long, difficult labour, baby's head had crushed all the, the tissues in the birth canal and bladder, and all those tissues destroyed, so left with that fistula. Um, the husband left her with the children, and uh, she was abandoned. She did what she did. She made charcoal and tried to sell it, but she was so ashamed. She just lived a very isolated life for, for two years and thought many times about taking her life. And she would often pray that, God, please take me. I, I don't want to live like this. It's too too shameful for me. Now, our outreach workers found her and um, brought her to our hospital and where she met, around about 40 other ladies, all with the same condition of hers. And so her eyes just lit up. She thought she was the only person in the world with this condition. And so as she she started to get hope as she saw other women cured and she was operated on. And we had tubes in her bladder for 10 days afterwards as she heals and her uh, tube was taken out and she was totally transformed. She was cured, absolutely delighted and um, just rejoicing that so she'd been shown love and concern, and um, she was now back to her village where she could start a new life.
0: Andrew, as you go into Africa this time, are you anticipating things might look different because of a COVID situation? Uh, do you have some uh, some detail about what's happening before you get there? Um, again,
1: that's difficult to know. Uh, um, travels for a start is much more difficult. To try and get permission to leave Australia to get uh, tickets out and back into Australia is very difficult. Um, but so far things have been good. This will be my fourth fourth trip back to Africa during the COVID times and um God praise God I've been able to get back into Australia each time. Um yeah, but the COVID situation there has worsened things. There has been lockdowns in, to varying degrees in different countries. Most, some countries haven't done any lockdowns at all because they couldn't afford to lockdown because, you know, if you don't transport your food and you can't earn your $2 a day then to buy any food, then you, what happens to you? You don't eat. And, um, uh, and transport breaks, systems break down and there's no way to get your sick child with malaria to a hospital, so your child might die from malaria. So there's been an increase in malaria deaths's been an increase in home delivery rates so increase in mothers dying in pregnancy because of lockdowns um, and we think also an increase in the number of fistula patients as well so it's um yeah, all been very very concerning the whole lockdowns around um, Africa uh, and we'll see what we we come across over there.
0: Andrew, your, uh, your charity is called the Barbara May Foundation. Are there any particular needs or are there any campaigns that your Barbara May Foundation is running at the moment? How can people support you?
1: Um, yes, please pray for us and pray for this trip coming up, for all the ladies coming for treatment, for our staff around Africa. And if you want to hear about us, just just either get the book, A Doctor in Africa, and learn a bit more about us, or look up our website, barbaramayfoundation.org, and um, get our newsletter and pray. And if you want to support us financially, that's wonderful. It only costs two hundred Australian dollars to ensure a a lady has all her clinic visits while she's pregnant, Um, her delivery in one of our hospitals, and including a, a a caesarean if it's needed and the postnatal check and sometimes to immunize your child as well only cost 200 australian dollars and to treat a fistula patient find them in the village transport them to us treat them send them home four hundred dollars um so some people can't afford that but you know to train a a birth attendant and to deliver babies safely in the village costs fifty dollars or a delivery kit costs a dollar fifty so a lot of a little bit of money can go uh a long way. So anything is greatly received, and uh, we our administration costs are only minimal, um, down to about seven percent. So most of the the, um, the the money that's donated goes straight to the, the ladies that we serve, and most of our administration costs are actually covered by a particular donor. So almost everything that you donate straight to the ladies that we serve over in
0: Africa. Wonderful stuff and special honour to you Dr Andrew Browning and (laughs) listeners will love the work that you do. It's highly esteemed and uh, to point people to barbaramayfoundation.org and as you say your story is written in the book A Doctor in Africa uh, co-written with Patrick Kennedy and uh, for listeners they can get a hold of that book A Doctor in Africa at the barbara may website or simply Google A Doctor in Africa, Dr Andrew Browning, and you'll be able to get it wherever you're living right now. Andrew, uh, all the best for the trip. Uh, you will be in the prayers of many listeners as they have heard you on your way back to Africa today. Thanks so much for the update. I look forward to the next opportunity when we get to chat about the things you're doing.
1: Great. Thanks very much, Neil. And thanks for your prayers.